You're listening to episode 110 of the Writing Life podcast from the National Centre for Writing, a weekly podcast for anyone who writes. I'm Simon Jones. And I'm Steph McKenna. And it's Wednesday, the 2nd of September, as we're recording this here in Norwich and the sun's come out again, which was unexpected. I know. We're back. We're back. The summer's back, I hope. Maybe for September. Yes, a last hurrah. Maybe in time for... In fact, Norwich quite often has really nice weather, doesn't it? It does. Historically, every year when we've had Norwich in Norwich, at Dragon Hall in particular over the weekend, it's been nice and sunny. So uh, I think that's continuing a trend there, except we'll be watching everything indoors this year. I know, we won't be able to sit in the garden at Dragon Hall this year, unfortunately, but you can sit in your own garden and pretend. You could sit with your laptop in the garden and watch our online events. I think that would work very well. So on the show today, we have Florence Reynolds, who, of course, has been on the podcast before in their capacity as a literature programmer. Flo works here and puts on many of our amazing events. You've probably encountered Flo if you're on the Discord channel or if you've attended any of our workshops. Yes, Flow is an events and festival planning machine. What you may not know is that Flow is also a poet and has been writing for over 10 years and also has published quite a lot of work with an anthology coming up. And we thought it would make sense to sit down and have a chat to Flow about their writing rather than their work at the National Centre for Writing. And so this podcast is talking about how to get published in poetry the different routes in, different approaches, whether you're going for a self-publishing route or a more traditional way in. There's loads of really, really great tips in here. Flo's also put together a a really handy little kind of checklist of things to do when you're trying to submit to magazines and to publishers. So make sure you check out the link in the show notes or if you're listening to this over on the blog, you should already be there. So let's hand over to Flo chatting with me last week. Hi Flo, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you Simon. Excellent, you're here today not with your literature programmer hat on, but in fact your poetry hat on. Yeah, I am. It's I think the first time I've done something for the podcast as a writer rather than a programmer, so excited to, to share not only my professional knowledge but also my personal experiences as well. Yeah, I think we've probably hinted around the edges in the past that you're uh, you're a writer as well. But yeah, we've, we've not had the opportunity to actually talk to you about it. So I guess before we get into this too much, and we are talking today about being published as a poet and how to go about it and also how to not go about it, um, I suppose it would make sense to start with a little bit of background on what you've worked on and where you're at in terms of your own career. Yeah, sure. So I've been kind of taking my own writing seriously for about 10 years now. I started just before I was going to go to university and then kind of didn't study creative writing at university, but just joined the society and wrote for my own pleasure in my own time. And eventually, about eight years ago now, I decided that I wanted to try and start publishing my poetry and get it out there. And I've been publishing my poetry for eight years now in journals and magazines. I've also done it, the sort of self-publishing route a bit as well on blogs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, you know, something that I've worked on steadily over that time. I've learned lots of tricks of the trade as I've gone along, what to do, what not to do. And these days I, I publish quite regularly in journals in the UK and online places like the white review magma 
data bleed, paratext, lighthouse. And I have my debut pamphlet coming out next year from a wonderful small press called Guillemot Press. So it's taken a while to get there, but my poetry is, you know, kind of going to be in book form very soon. Yeah, at this point in my practice, I've been doing a bit of reflection on what's helped me on my way, hopefully answering a question that we get quite a lot here at National Centre for Writing from fellow poets who want to start publishing their poetry and are not sure quite how to start off doing that and, and how to go about it. Fantastic. Yes, you reach the point when you're ready to pass on what you have learned. This is very exciting. And it's interesting that you've been doing this for eight years and you kind of started taking your own writing seriously just before university. That moment when you think, okay, yeah, actually I'm gonna I'm gonna put some value in my own work here and, and try and work towards something is so critical. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I think it's really important to stress that for every writer you need to be clear about who you're writing for, who your reader is and, and where you want your writing to go. And it might be that you're just writing for yourself or, or a close circle of friends and family and you don't necessarily want to seek publication. And that's absolutely, that's still brilliant. That's mm. still worthwhile, valuable writing to be doing. This, this leads on to sort of some of the roots into poetry publishing and if you decide that you do want to publish, um, there's kind of a self-publishing route you can go down. And then there's a more traditional route as well. Um, and as I say, I've done a bit of both. I'm going to talk in depth with the traditional publication route a bit, because I think that's what lots of the people who come to me with these questions want to hear about. But we will touch on the self-publishing and you know, hopefully help people make the right choice for them as well. Yeah, definitely. I think like, even before getting to that, it's so important to emphasise that people need to figure out what their own measure of success is. Um, and I think quite often there's a feeling or a pressure that like the end game for a writer is to be published. There's such a focus and desire to get towards that. And of course, I think we probably, most of us want to be read in some way, but what precisely that means, as you say, does differ for every single writer and even every project as well. Um, it can be very different depending on what the thing is that you're working on. Uh, so yeah, I think in terms of people who contact us, quite often it's about talking through what the options are to make sure that people are going in the right direction because uh, it's not the same for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's really important to take our time as well. You know, rushing towards publication is, is very tempting if that's what you're, if that's what you're aiming for. But, you know, it's, it's taken me 10 years to get my first book together to a point where it actually works as a book. I've written so many drafts in that time I've thrown it out completely about five times I've thrown out individual poems countless times I can't count how many poems <laughs> I've chucked out over the years or you know sort of completely taken about three words from them and totally rewritten them and all of that process yes it's not seeing your name on the front of a, a shiny cover of a book but looking back on it now I'm really glad that I've 
taken my time in in making my book the best it can be and set your sights on where you personally want to go with a particular project and also it will take as long as it takes I think we've we've heard that on the podcast a few times in the past as well from writers much more experienced and established than I am but it it really is true I can say from sort of you know um my position earlier on in my career than than they are but it's true when they say it takes as long as it takes I suppose we should maybe take a look at some of the differences between writing poetry and writing, say, fiction and non-fiction? Yeah, totally. Hopefully, listeners of the podcast might know a little bit about the the fiction and non-fiction publishing process. We did that brilliant interview with Ed, um, the, the literary agent, a while ago. Um, and Ed is an agent for writers of fiction and non-fiction, including genre fiction. And he was talking about what an agent does and how they work with writers and with publishers as sort of, um, I guess, the, the middleman helping to connect writers with publishers and make sure that everybody's sort of working together for the best possible outcome. With poetry, it's quite, it is quite different in that it's quite rare for poets to have agents, at least until they're very well known probably on GCSE syllabi, that kind of, of level of recognition. Um, and likewise, it's also quite rare for agents to have poets on their lists. If they do have poets on their lists, it's often on the understanding that the poet will be writing fiction or nonfiction in addition to their poetry. And they're working with the poet across that whole writing portfolio, not just the poetry. So for poets, we we largely need to be doing some of this work ourselves we don't have the support of an agent usually it will be kind of being part of the the poetry ecology I suppose you could call it the poetry environment which likewise is less dominated by the biggest publishers than fiction or non-fiction as well there are loads of small presses and journals and people doing really um, a lot of brilliant grassroots work absolutely you know tireless fantastic work to find and showcase new talent I think understanding how the poetry ecosystem works and and how we can as poets be part of it and help to support it is is really important um so for anybody who is looking to publish their poetry I would say you know, do your research and have a look at the the publishers, the journals, the competitions, um, the prizes, the arts organisations and the individuals who are doing so much good work um, and making it such a vibrant scene, not just in the UK as well, but all over the world. Poetry is really having a moment. Yeah. What do you think it is about the, the poetry ecology that has centred down this slightly different route to, to fiction, say, in terms of you know, the absence of agents, because that's such a, a kind of pillar of how you get published traditionally in the fiction world, hmm. that it's surprising that that's kind of absent in poetry. What do you think has led to that? I think it's because until quite recently, poetry wasn't as marketable as fiction. Of course, there's always been a dedicated poetry readership um, and, you know, more and more people around the world now are kind of connecting with poetry and finding that it's for them. 
Um, but I would say that traditionally there's been there's been less commercial incentive with it. Perhaps it's it's harder to make money um, out of poetry books, and so it is just less dominated by the bigger presses, who of course you know need need to be need to be making money. They are businesses, and and you know that is part of what they do. But it has meant that smaller presses and smaller journals and endeavours have a bit more space to to fill. And while they're still operating on really tight margins, usually with smaller teams, um, and often with more at stake in in individual books than the big publishers have. You mentioned that poetry is having quite a moment. Hmm. Currently, um, I just wonder if you could expand on that a little bit. As someone myself who's not so familiar with the poetry scene, like what has changed and what do, what do you think has kind of propelled it in that way? I think there are two things. Personally, this is just my personal opinion, but um, I I think it's brilliant that there used to be quite a distinction between poetry that was written for the page and poetry that was written for the stage. Um, and the spoken word scene was you know pretty pretty separate from the poetry book scene as it were and that's for all sorts of reasons including you know like class and racial prejudice and all sorts of stuff but we're in a really exciting moment in that way in that the the hard work and the artistry and just general creative brilliance and community building of poets working across both forms and and arguing for the validity and the value of both forms we are now at a point where we can enjoy the fruits of all that labor they put in and so there's a bit less of a divide now i would say and long may that continue to be the case so you know performance is becoming more and more important for page poets to be able to do and likewise poets who maybe started off writing for the stage are are more more able to demonstrate that their work works on the page as well and is as much an artistic and and valid endeavor as poetry for the page and the other is um instagram and insta poetry and um the poetry communities springing up on social media um which are a fantastic way to find other writers um find readers and people interested in the same things as you and hopefully we'll touch on insta poetry um a little bit later in the podcast as well it's it's kind of self-publishing but it's also seeking a really broad wide readership and it's community building so that's a really powerful mix that has really come to the fore through the success of writers like rupi kaur and and others and so yeah there's there's kind of all these amazing forces in poetry going on at the moment which means it's becoming more exciting more open to more people you know I I never wrote poetry in school but you know people like the brilliant Kate Clanchy are you know showing that actually kids you know so so young are writing brilliant poems and it's kind of cool to write poetry at school now which wasn't the case when I was there um yeah so there's this this huge energy in in the scene and I think that that energy coming from the writers also inspires readers to pick up more poetry books hopefully 
It's uh, exciting to actually hear about the internet doing something good as well. <laughs> that doesn't happen so often these days. <laughs> so in terms of building that track record um, and kind of you know, build, building up almost like your poetry CV, um, mm. it feels a bit like it's one of those kind of classic catch-22s in that, you know, if you want to get towards being published in in poetry, then you have to have been published <laughs> a bit. So yeah. how do you kind of get on that that ladder or that, you know, that train track towards where you want to get to? I would say that one of the main ways to do that is to publish individual poems or maybe two or three or four poems at a time in in zines, magazines and journals. And that's a really good way to build, as you say, a kind of writing CV. The really good thing about the poetry magazine world is that there is a magazine for everybody, for all different kinds of poetry, from poets and readers coming from all sorts of different countries and backgrounds um, and covering everything from haiku to long poems and from more conventional or, or structured forms through to really experimental exciting work that might even sort of uh, take flight off into sound art or, or performance as well. As you say, the internet has done another good thing, which is that these magazines, they exist in print, of course, but there are also online and even hybrid magazines. There's, there's a huge variety out there. Every, every time you publish a poem in a magazine, you can add that to your writer's CV. And the more you do that, the, the longer your writing CV becomes. For people who are starting off on this process, you know, they've maybe honed their craft to a point where they're ready to start submitting. What are the essential do's and don'ts of that submission process uh, in terms of like finding out who you should contact and what you send to them and how much do you send? Should you be sending your submissions out to every single person you could find? What's the, what's the 101? Yeah, so as I say, there's a magazine out there for everybody. And so the first thing to do is to do your research and find the one that is right for you or the handful of magazines that are right for you. The best way to do this is to read what they publish. Most will have an online presence where you can see at least a small sample for free. But if you can buy one issue to support the magazine and to kind of get the full picture of what they like to publish, that's a really, really good way to, to do that research. Another tip is to read the books of the, the poets you admire and whose work you think feels like a like it's on the same wavelength as your own and look at the back of the book so I've got Magnolia by Nina Mingya Powell's here next to me on my desk and I can just flip to the back of the book she's got an acknowledgements page here that says these are the publications where earlier versions of the poems in this book first appeared and there's a list of poetry journals there that I could go and have a look at and so once you've found a few magazines that feel like they might be a good home for the sort of poem that you're writing. I would say the, the most important thing you can do is to read their submissions guidelines. And every poetry magazine will have either a page in the print magazine or a page on their website that explains how they look for new work. The really crucial thing when you're looking to submit is to make sure that you've read those guidelines and that you follow them. You're making everybody's job easier if you follow those guidelines and you're more likely to have your work considered if you're sending it at the right time, if you're sending it in the right format and addressed to the right person. 
And most magazines will be looking for new material, presumably. So you, you don't want to be kind of slinging your stuff up on your blog or posting it everywhere if you're intending to submit it to publications. Yeah, that is one of the kind of, I suppose, one of the questions we have to ask ourselves about whether we are looking to go down a traditional poetry publishing route or a self-publishing route. This is something that lots of magazines will say that they want to see previously unpublished work. And that means that it hasn't been published anywhere else in the past. And that often includes social media and personal blogs and websites and newsletters that sort of thing that that counts as publishing if it's going if readers are going to have seen your work before that counts as published and so the magazines understandably want to be publishing new stuff you know you can only find it in this magazine for a certain period of time it, it really is a question of deciding what's more important to you is it more important to share a poem on your blog um, to reach you know the readership that your your blog might have and you will get it out there sooner and without the oversight of an editor who who might you know they, they could accept your work or they could reject it or would you like to build your writing cv and have that publication credit of being in a magazine yeah brind uh, you've put together a really handy little kind of how-to guide checklist thing which we're going to put up alongside the podcast which you can find on the website and we'll put links down to that in the show notes as well so for anyone who's thinking about getting ready for submission they can check that out to tick off all the things that they should or shouldn't be doing yeah absolutely so on that checklist i go through how to prepare a submission um, a few things to look out for stuff that you might find in the submissions guidelines of magazines um, and also once you've submitted what you can expect and a few top tips about keeping your submissions organized as well and because as I say if it's already been published you don't necessarily want to submit it to a magazine again and as you do more and more of these you're going to need to keep track somehow of what's been published what's out on submission and what is sort of still free for you to decide where you want to send it so we go through all of that in that checklist yeah presumably um, it depends on the style of poems that you're writing but you you could have a lot of individual material compared to say a novelist where they're going to have far fewer sort of individual projects to be working with and keeping track of. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And especially if you're first starting out and you're, you don't have a, a book length series of poems to be working with yet, that's, that's no reason to not be sending your work out to magazines. If you've written one poem, you can send that one poem to a magazine, um, which is, is one of the beauties of publishing in, in poetry magazines and journals, actually. You can send just one poem if that's what you've got. They might ask you for, you know, up to six poems, but if you've got less than that, then that's, that's often fine. But as you say, it does mean you've got more individual little pieces to keep track of. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, kind of editorial oversight. Uh, what When you submit to a magazine, how much editing tends to take place what kind of feedback do you get because without the kind of agent structure and all the things that you might go through for traditional fiction publishing you know potentially you're submitting direct to a magazine uh, without it having been seen by anybody except yourself 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before you submit to a magazine, you can always ask for trusted feedback from somebody. So um, if you have friends who are writers or even just family and, and friends who you like to share your work with, getting their opinion is, is something you can do beforehand. Um, and that's absolutely fine if, if one or two people have read your poems. Um, that, that doesn't count as being previously published. Because poetry magazines and publishers tend to be much smaller, sadly not not everybody can be published and you know i've i've had more rejections than i've had acceptances um over the years and often those can't be individualized and that's just something we we have to accept they don't have time to give everybody individualized feedback very often and you know that that's that is what it is on the other hand if you have been accepted that that really varies i've had poems accepted and they are printed as I have sent them in and other poems an editor has said could you look at that stanza again a bit because I'm I don't think that quite says what I think you're saying or I'm not sure how that relates to the rest of the poem or I'm not sure about this word that seems in a slightly different tone or register so it, it really depends on the poem and the and the editor really and it's it's just a dialogue between the poet and the editor and you know when you when you get feedback like that even if they're asking you to change your poem I just take that as you know how how grateful I am that somebody is investing in my writing in that way I might not agree with them but I will always test out their ideas and sort of explain my approach and, and hear what they've got to say because what a gift to have somebody giving your work that level of attention. So let's fast forward eight years or so now in, in a poet's life and they've had various bits and pieces published in zines, magazines and journals. So what's the next step if they've had all these individual pieces get out there into the world but maybe they've now accumulated enough work to want to put together something larger? Yeah, when you want to start putting together something larger I suppose the next step up is something that in the UK we call a pamphlet elsewhere around the world might be more usually referred to as a chapbook and that's a small book of poems usually between kind of 24 to 36 pages long I would say you know that that could be anything from 36 poems to just one long poem that you've you've spread out over those numbers of pages really depends on the sorts of forms that you're working in. Obviously this presents a slightly different creative challenge to just working on individual poems and, and sending them off to, to magazines in ones or twos or threes. It becomes a consideration of you know how, how the poems are fitting together, how you're going to put them in order, what your overarching themes or messages or images that you want to explore are going to be and how you can best represent that in a short series of poems. You're also limited by the page count and so you probably won't be able to include everything you've ever written. You're going to have to be selective and choose your best poems and also the poems that most work together. Um, so it is a, a very different challenge I would say and Again, it's something that certainly in my experience just cannot be rushed. I have worked on my pamphlet that's coming out next year for probably about five years. And as I say, I've gone through multiple drafts 
and I've had to just put it in a drawer and not look at it for months at a time because it's it's such a different creative challenge and it it does take time to to figure out all these different considerations and and layers of relationship between the poems yeah and once you've got that collection ready and the you know the manuscript is is mm-hmm. ready to go presumably you then have a choice of whether to go traditional or self-publishing, um, which is actually a question we had on the Discord channel today from uh, Poetry Dragon, who yeah. Uh, yeah, was, was particularly interested in you know, the differences between those two routes. And I guess once you've got that larger bulk of work, uh, that's a decision you have to make at some point. Yeah, it is actually. And um, we had Cat Woodward on the podcast a while ago as well and she actually talks about self-publishing a pamphlet cat self-published that i think it was about 2014 a pamphlet called hot damn and then went on to publish two collections in a more traditional way with small presses um so that's another episode that um listeners should definitely check out to to hear from somebody who's done it i think as with all self-publishing it's really a case of weighing up whether you are going to be able to make the marketing and promotional and financial commitment that that goes into publishing a book and as ever it's about avoiding those disreputable companies out there that are going to publish your book if you pay them an extortionate amount of money to do so the other thing i'd say is that it's worth considering that the readerships of poetry although they're they're growing and it's a really exciting time they have traditionally been smaller even dedicated poetry publishers are operating on on tight margins and spending a lot of time and money on developing their audiences you're going to have to do that as well as a self-publisher so it's not necessarily the easy alternative to to traditional publishing by any means yeah i think self-publishing is a fast way to discover just all of the things that an established publishing house actually does Uh, as you realize you have to do all of it yourself it it gives you more creative freedom in a way so i can see why people do it and i can see why cat woodward went for it and her journey from self-published pamphlet to traditionally published collection is is quite an interesting one and, and well worth listening to yeah and it comes back to what we were saying at the start which is that what you want to do with each individual project could be quite different. It could be that you're working on something that is perfectly suited for a self-publishing experiment of some sort. And then another project down the line might be something that you target much more towards a traditional route. And the traditional process for publishing a pamphlet is quite similar to the process of traditional publishing of individual poems and magazines as well. So you will be researching publishers of the books and pamphlets that you admire you'll be you know getting to know their list getting to to know the books that they've published and seeing whether it might be a good fit checking their submission guidelines and and really sticking to them as much as you possibly can yeah so let's say uh, all goes well and you manage to get a, a pamphlet uh, published what what does that mean in terms of poetry and working with small presses like what kind of expectations should writers have in terms of whether pamphlet is going to be available what kind of distribution is going to have that kind of stuff yeah i think small presses are such a crucial and brilliant bit of the poetry ecology and 
the really nice thing about it in my experience has been having that one-to-one relationship with a publisher who has the autonomy to be part of a creative conversation to make you know artistic decisions um with me to to think about how the book is going to look not just what's inside it as well obviously of course there are differences to you know the the bigger publishing world um there's as I have said, there's not an awful lot of money in poetry and quite often for pamphlets, you're more likely to be paid in a certain number of copies of the book, which you can then directly sell and make money that way um, with royalties and or a discount on further copies. So it's, it's not very unusual for there to be very little financial incentive in publishing a, a pamphlet but every press will have its own t's and c's and if you have a manuscript accepted they will talk through that with you and can answer any questions it'll also be a, a conversation about the other things you can do to to carry on building your track record actually and your writing cv as well as to sell books which are other things like entering competitions um, doing performances and readings and all sorts of other things that you and the publisher can work on together. And the other thing I'll mention is that for any kind of publication of a book, less so for individual poems, but definitely for a pamphlet or a longer book, you should receive an author contract and you'll need to read that through and ask anything that you're not sure about. Most of the time it will be absolutely perfectly fine and, and really clear outline of, of what the roles and responsibilities of you and the publisher are but if there's anything that you're not sure about the best thing to do is to seek legal advice or help from an organization like the Society of Authors. Um, they have really great advice about contracts and other professional issues for writers on their website and as soon as you've received a, a publishing contract you can become a member of the Society of Authors as well. Um, they're the, the union for writers in the UK and they're a really good source of information um, for anybody going through this publishing process. Presumably when you put together a collection uh, in, in a pamphlet or a chapbook or at that point it doesn't have to all be new material so when you are submitting individual ones to magazines that's when they want completely fresh stuff but when you've got enough work that you can put together a pamphlet, that can be a compilation of, of previous work. It doesn't have to be brand new. Yeah, absolutely. And actually having poems that have been in magazines can be can be a good thing because you're, you're able to demonstrate to your prospective publisher, look, these poems have already been accepted by this magazine and that magazine. And actually this one won that competition or I performed this poem at... Uh, this you know this particular poetry night that was well received and it helps them to get a feel not only for what sort of poetry you're writing and where you might sit in the market but also to see you know to see your track record and and see that you're already building a readership including poems that have already been published in magazines in a way is, is quite helpful Something you touched upon briefly earlier was Insta poetry and these kind of newer, newer forms, but also newer spaces for yeah. poetry to exist. Can you tell us a bit more about that? So I'm sure listeners might be familiar with some Insta poets who've gone on to 
be traditionally published, often by quite big publishers as well. Um, there are a few really compelling success stories around the world about people who started just publishing their poetry on Instagram or on their blogs and were picked up by big publishers and have never looked back. While they represent, you know, just a very small proportion of those of us who share our work in those ways, it is a testament to how sharing your work on those platforms can be a, a cheap and easy way to, to start building a reading and finding a community of fellow writers and readers. The issue with publishing your poems on a blog or on Instagram is that you can't then place them elsewhere necessarily. And so you can't get, you know, reputable publication credits from magazines. But there are definitely more and more poets coming through these channels. It is a really good way to find like-minded writers and readers to share with. Again, it, it's kind of balancing what's important for you. Is it is it important for you to get a publication credit and build your CV? Or have you written a poem that's actually just about an issue really close to your heart and you want to share it with people? I think there are a few, a few questions then around how do you ensure that people treat your work with the respect that a publisher would treat it? How do you make sure that people are going to attribute your work to you and not steal it and plagiarise it? or share it without properly crediting you. Um, and that is one of the risks of publishing on those platforms as well. I've seen people who've kind of, you know, they, they publish their poems as images rather than um, as words. So the, for example, on Instagram, you'll have the image, which will be the poem typed um, with the poet's name, maybe an illustration. And that is the image, the poet's name is there right with the poem as part of this image yeah and i think it comes back to knowing what you're trying to achieve because you know i'd put a lot of my fiction writing up on wattpad which you know has all sorts of pros and cons and as long as you're aware of them at the time and you're, you're using it to accomplish whatever it is you're after at that moment then it's all fine um, it's just about thinking ahead a little bit about what what you want to do and where you want to be kind of a few years down the line yeah totally and i think wherever you're publishing your work whether it's on instagram or a WordPress blog or a Tumblr, or if it's in a magazine or via a kind of more conventional publishing house or a small press, if you're worried, check the T's and C's. Even if you're not worried, check the T's and C's. They will be there. They'll be on the, the website of wherever you're publishing your work. And, you know, if, if it's a reputable small publisher or a reputable magazine, at least, there'll be a contact email address where you can ask any questions that you might have. Yeah, the TNCs thing's a really important point because I think we're probably all very guilty of not reading TNCs properly when we sign up for various websites. But when it comes to sharing your creative material, it's critical that you actually do take the time to do so um, because at that point you need to know exactly what you're signing over or, or not um, so that you don't have some nasty surprises months down the line. This does relate actually to another question we had uh, from the Discord community from Sasha8, where they asked uh, if a writer submits material to a digital magazine and it gets selected, how does the author know for sure that their material is protected by copyright? And do you need to seek specific legal advice? And I think we've touched upon some of this already, but I guess the main thing is that when you, when you create something, it is automatically copyrighted. You, you don't have to necessarily do anything specific 
to look after that. But like we've been saying, if you're submitting it to somewhere else, you have to check what their terms are because that will determine what they're allowed to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And a magazine or a publisher should be able to outline for you how they're going to use your work. So as you say, you retain copyright to your work in almost all circumstances. Um, but they will say, we want exclusive publication of this poem for six months. And after that, you are free to place it elsewhere or to include it in your pamphlet that's going to be published or whatever. Um, but very often magazines and um, websites as well will want some period of exclusivity. That's something to look in the T's and C's. They should outline that. And if they don't outline it, you're perfectly within your right to send them an email. Exactly. Yeah. And I think some of the more kind of social and blog like websites can can have terms that sound a bit scary. They often are talking about having rights to reproduce and distribute derivative works and that kind of thing um, but as long as you read it carefully usually what it means is that they just need to be able to be allowed to show it on a desktop computer on a mobile phone they want to be allowed to to show a little preview of it on their home page so that people click through to see it and that kind of stuff it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to steal your work and turn it into a, a book without your permission so finally, we had one other question from Discord from Les Leia, which was any thoughts on the balance between getting it out there, for example, through social media, blogs, etc., or holding back the work for competitions? For, from your perspective, what was the, the kind of tipping point? What, what made you decide to go down the route of you know, building up the material and submitting it and going that route? Yeah, so I, as I said, I, I did used to publish my poems on my blog mostly when I was a student and eventually I I stopped doing that and I also deleted the blog because I I realized that I'd rushed to put some of those poems out there before they were ready they weren't quite finished they were still quite an early draft although I changed them a lot afterwards they had technically been previously published so I couldn't use them elsewhere and I also just felt a bit just a bit embarrassed that I'd put this stuff out there <laughs> before it was you know fully fully executed to the best of my abilities so I had that kind of hindsight cringing experience which I would say is definitely something to factor in um are you still going to be proud of this poem in six months a year five years time if you're publishing it on a blog if you're not sure then no matter where you want to put it, I would say keep it in your your desk drawer or your folder for a bit longer. Yeah, once that excitement has kind of gone down a little bit and you can look at it with a slightly clearer head. Yeah, it, it's real because you have the excitement of getting, you know, very nearly there. It suddenly clicks and you're like, oh, this is finally a poem. Yes, but just because it's starting to come together doesn't mean that it has completely come together just yet. So I have learned to be a bit more hesitant about sharing things. Um, I think competitions is another point I'll just pick up on really quickly, which is that they're another really good way of building your track record and, and a huge boost to your profile if you, if you do win a competition. And the process for entering them is largely the same you will you know research the the terms and conditions and maybe the previous winners 
um, to kind of get a feel for that particular competition and decide if it's a good fit for your work. The only other thing about them is that very often they carry an entry fee. So you'll need to think about whether the entry fee is worth the risk of not winning. Again, it's about figuring out what you are trying to accomplish uh, before getting carried away and potentially cutting off some of your potential routes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something you mentioned earlier, which I really liked, is uh, hindsight cringe, which I think is something we've all had. But I, I always like to think of it as being a good thing. Uh, I think if you don't have that, then that's when you should worry, because if you've got it, it, it implies that you have improved. If you look back at something you wrote 10 years ago and, and you still think it's brilliant, then that's the point where you should start to be a little bit concerned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now that I've, I've finished several manuscripts, I've got a few books under my belt and one of them's going to be coming out next year. I've kind of realised that there is a point where you just have to say, "Ugh, I'm done with this book. It's over. It's complete. It's never going to get any better than this. I'm just tinkering now. And there comes a point where you have to stop tinkering. You're always going to be in relationship with your past self and what that past self has written. And you can take a really creative stance on that and kind of write with it and rewrite it and carry on working on it. But also as you progress, there, there are going to be things that you're going to want to leave behind in your oeuvre. Um, <laughs> and that's okay as well. Well, Thank you very much, Flo. I think that's tons of really, really good advice. And like we said, make sure you check the show notes or head over to the blog at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk, where you will also find Flo's notes and checklist guide on, on what to do and not do when you're submitting. I have a feeling this won't be the last we hear from you on the pod, Flo, whether it's in your poetry form or your literature programmer form. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I've enjoyed being in poetry mode for a bit and... Um... Yeah, I'll see you again in programming mode very soon. Thanks to Flo for having a chat with Simon. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Writer Centre. You can find us on Facebook and you can sign up to our weekly newsletter from the website nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. If you want to join our online community over on Discord, you can find an invite down in the show notes. Uh, you will in fact find me and Flo hanging out there most of the time so if you have any follow-up questions from this podcast that's the place to go. We've got some great stuff coming up on Discord this month in September as well so we've got our our bi-monthly book club so at the moment we're reading Attica Locke's Bluebird Bluebird and we'll be discussing that over on Discord and we also have our drop-in writing sessions which happen each month and I believe the next one uh, happens on the 22nd of September and it's completely free to join up and get involved. Yeah, no, the, the drop-in writing sessions are, are great. And outside of those, you also run a bunch of informal kind of sprint sessions, which anyone can start, actually. That's not uh, kind of an official NCW thing, but it's a good place if you want to have a little bit of little bit of friendly peer pressure to try and get some words down. I like the idea of friendly peer pressure as well. Yeah, yes, exactly. That's what, what you need. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast because it helps other people to find us. Thanks again. Keep writing and we'll catch you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.